You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 217 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. It's great to be back. How are you going? I'm good, but more importantly, I mean, you're probably fighting through jet lag and, uh, you know, having to deal with doing all the laundry from your trip because you've been traipsing around the world to various places. Tell us where you've been. I have. I've been like on, on a million flights. Uh, so I went to Glasgow and uh, I did a bit of sightseeing around some of Scotland and then uh, I went over to Spain to warm up a bit and then took four flights to get home to make it <laughs> back in time. Uh, my son was performing, so I wanted to be back for that. So oh, wow, I cool. made it back. Yeah, but it was a lot a lot of hours in the air. And one of the flights I took on the way over was one of the new flights where you go Melbourne-Perth, which is a three-hour flight, mm. and then it's Perth direct to London, 17 hours, Val. Mm, 17 <laughs> Yeah, that's that long, isn't it? was tough. And then, yeah, the way home was like four flights. But uh, had a blast, loved it, and was um, interesting, thrown at first by the light. Uh, what do you mean? Particularly Where? Glasgow. Where? It was just right. so different to like because you get into a groove when you're shooting um, as a photographer and you get to – uh, learn the light in the country that you work with. And I, I can sort of step outside in Australia and I know oh, it's overcast. If it's super overcast, I, I know pretty much what my settings on my camera will be and how much flash to dial in if I need it. And if it's sunny, I know that I can put my flash on full power and, you know, F-16 and I'll, I'll get a decent exposure. In Glasgow, I was like, what's going on? <laughs> it actually took me a couple of days. The light was actually um, softer and dimmer, and yet in the morning there was like this contra. It was different, Val, so I just had to sort of work my way right. uh, getting getting used to that. It was really interesting, and the angle of the sun uh, was different as well. The, the sun um, never got as high. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and so – and that was really interesting, like casting a lot of different shadows. And so the quality was super different. So um, that's why we're doing a whole podcast on how to see and read light because I think it's uh, important for photographers and uh, it, I just thought it would be a really good subject to talk about. What about you, Val? What have you been up to? What have I been up to? I have been busy painting yeah. and um, getting organised with that 
I was a finalist in a art prize, so That's that was kind of exciting. Fantastic. Um, yeah, thanks. Unbelievable. And, um, and uh, so I'm getting organised to have um, fine art prints as well. Um, so that's been keeping me very busy because I need to find, you know, the right the the right um, fine art print suppliers kind of thing that I'm happy with. So that's been consuming my life, to be honest. Hey, so are you getting the the artwork photographed? And then printed. So, uh, yes, that's exactly right. Wow. Yes. So not all. The, I work just certain specific ones that I'm going to be offering prints with. So I've yep. tried, yeah, I've done a lot of research and had a lot of um, experimentation. Papers and fishes yeah, and inks. Everything. To get the colours. Everything. That would be and doing I can your tell head in. You, I can tell you the people not to use and I can tell you <laughs> people who I think are good. So you're learning about colour profiles, Val, and yeah. all that And it's that costing sort of a lot of money actually because you have to, you know, um, I, I actually buy the product, obviously, I, I you know, um, to make sure that I'm getting what the customer will get and, yeah, um, yeah. It's been an, a time-consuming and expensive but very interesting exercise. Fantastic. Well, can't yeah. wait to see them. That's exciting. Soon, soon, out soon, um, maybe in a week or so. Uh, starting off with just a couple of prints but we'll have, you know, maybe 10 in the next month or so. Excellent. Signed mm. by the artist? They will be signed. Well, some – will be open edition and some will be limited edition. Archival? Yes. So the limited edition ones will be signed and mm. numbered. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. It's been busy. Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, we would and give I a big shout-out. Sorry, I just had to spend <laughs> um, the first 10 minutes of the call looking at Rexy. Oh, yes, yes. So before we started recording, uh, Gina, I, I, you know, turned my video on and showed Gina my beautiful baby cat, Rexy. He's so cute. That was good for the first three minutes, but then I got (laughs) bored, but you didn't. No, and then Gina goes, tried to wrap up, and she went, okay. I had enough now. (laughs) Something new. (laughs) You shouldn't say that because you know he's adorable. He is adorable. Hmm. Um, look, we want to give a big shout-out to Adrian W. Thornton who took the time to leave us a review and rating on iTunes. And Adrian called his review, Love It. And uh, Adrian said, really enjoyable podcast, learning lots, love the conversations with guest photographers and especially how Aussie and down-to-earth the podcast is. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, we're pretty Aussie. We're (laughs) Aussie ads, Adrian. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, give us that feedback. We really appreciate it. And if anyone else has 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, that would be awesome. We'd really be grateful because it certainly helps us in the rankings. 
Now let's move on to um, Scott Campbell is a member of our community and he asked a question recently. And Mm. um, so we want to do just a little bit of a constructive critique um, in response to his question before we get on to this week's topic, which is really awesome. The topic is how to see and read light. And I think that is so important because I do find when I talk to photographers that some photographers just have that instinct. They can just see what works and what they need to do in response to what light is there. And other photographers don't seem to have this instinct. Um, So I think that it's a very important topic to cover and we'll get to that very soon. But Scott Campbell has uh, posted a series of pictures of girls playing uh, basketball or netball. Volleyball. And, um, volleyball. Well, there you mm. go. It goes to show the you net, how much sport I do. The net is the giveaway, Val. Yeah. Because I know you did a lot of sport at that private school. Did you do sport at your fancy private school? Um, not really. In between was, Latin and well, cause classical sport was music? On at the, sport was on at the time that Latin was on. Yeah, and it wasn't so, compulsory to do sport, was it? Um, not no. In the first in the first years, it was. Yeah, but not in the later years, no. Mm. Mm. So, um, but we digress. Yeah, okay. Volleyball, got it. Mm. And we'll put the images in the show notes, which you can find at GinaMilitia.com. That's M I L I C I A. And you can have a look at this series of shots, which are taken probably in a school gym, and it's um, these girls playing volleyball. So there's real, they're all action shots, all 100% action where the ball is suspended, or the girls are literally about to hit the ball or about to catch it. And so they're very, very, you can feel the fast paced nature of, um, of what's going on, and they're literally mid-air catching or throwing Spiking, the ball. So it's digging. You don't catch the ball in volleyball, Val. Okay. You, yeah, All yeah. Right. So they're about well- to tap, dig, <laughs> spike. Did you play volleyball? What is that in Latin? <laughs> did you play volleyball? I did. Oh, okay. So that's why you know. All right. It. So. Um, Gina, obviously, until recently, <laughs> Gina played in a basketball team. Like, didn't you? Like, Gina played yeah, in a, a local was, yeah, basketball but I, team. I kept getting beaten up, so mm. I had to stop playing because I've got a bit of. I get a bit mouthy when I'm being. It would have been your attitude, Gina. I know what you're like, and yeah. I know that the looks that you give people. So I can I see yeah. why they would have. You would have been needling them. But women's basketball not safe and very yeah. very aggressive and stuff goes on behind the play and I just yeah. kept coming home with like half an eye gouged out and scratches <laughs> and injuries so I just said I can't do this anymore. There you go. This is why I don't play team sports. All right. So Scott has said that he was testing out his new camera. He made a, the switch from a Nikon crop sensor D7100 to the Sony A7R 3 I thought this was a wise move as my portrait business is growing and I didn't have much invested in the Nikon. Uh, these were shot with um, the G Master 100 to 400 millimeters at f 4.5 to 5.6. I love sports photography and would like to become better. So please feel free to comment with create a constructive critique. So we've got some feedback for Scott. And as I mentioned, if you do want to look at the shots, which is a series of volleyball shots, uh, go to ginamilitia.com. 
All right. Off you go, Gina. What What's your feedback? All right. So, Scott, I think you've done a great job and I think that's a good call on switching over there uh, to uh, the, the, a mirrorless system if you don't have a lot invested in an, an original system, like if you don't have a lot of lenses, then it's probably a good time to make that switch. And sorry, there's a truck backing up as I speak, okay. so apologies for that in the background. Um, and so I think you, you've done a great job here in capturing the action and and like obviously shot at a fast enough shutter speed to to get a lot of the girls airborne and the ball is in the shot which helps to tell the story uh so a good little uh collection well exposed as well and like everyone looks uh, pretty sharp too um when you're doing sport, to take these to the next level, I know you've got that G Master 100 to 400. So what you do need when you're shooting sport is a long lens, minimum to a focal length of minimum of 200 um, millimeters is a good start. The other thing I think that is crucial is it has to be a fast lens and so you want to be able to open the aperture wide up. So on those zoom lenses, when they have f 4.5 slash 5.6 when you're at full zoom at 400 it's only going to be f 5.6 now that is a little bit slow for shooting sport and you'd probably uh, want to look at something down the track getting a, a, a lens that is a bit faster uh, ideally say uh, an f-stop of f 2.8 or even f4 as, as a minimum there because you're going to be able to shoot at a lower ISO so less noise in your image and you're going to be able to uh, throw the background out of focus a lot better so that you're really focused on the action because I see with the shots that you're shooting when you're shooting at say an aperture of f5.6 I can still see a lot of the detail in the background chairs and um referees and things like that and that can be a bit distracting so what what is good is when you can throw the whole background out of focus and it's just mm. the person just the athlete um mm. the other thing with sport is you really want to know as much as you can about the game and and go to a lot of games and just shoot and shoot and shoot and after a while what happens is and I think when I interviewed um Scott Stokeg about this he, he shoots a lot of wrestling uh, mm. he's one of our gold members and yeah. uh, it, for him he'd been to so many competitions that and I asked him is it like does it get to a point where it's intuitive rather than and you know just pointing your camera wherever and hoping something that happens and he's like yeah you kind of get a sense of what's about to happen and where you feel yeah. is the right place to have uh the lens pointed and that's the same with any action like uh photographers who do a lot of dance or theater or things mm. like that you know and or i know surfing. when i'm surfing anything where there's action and i know when i'm shooting a lot of rehearsals for theater at first i'm like all over the place not knowing where to go but after a while you sort of get a um, a sense for the beat, you know, every shoot has its own sort of tempo and you, you kind of just 
feel like you know where to be. It's an intuitive thing. And that comes with doing lots and lots and lots of sport. So that, that's, that, that's crucial to be able to get your timing right to, to know where, where to aim the camera. You also want to be as close as you can and get your angles right so that you're capturing and the, the, the game right and telling the story. A couple of other good uh, tips is to shoot in continuous AF so you're constantly tracking the action and to use mm. burst mode. So with this, like you can see that uh, say that you're about to photograph a girl who's about to tap the ball over the net, uh, that might happen in a series uh, where it's worth doing say eight frames as you anticipate the action. So you'll get her as she's about to leap, as she's leaping through the air, and the ball will be in a different spot for each shot. And one of those images will be uh, the sweet spot. And and so you definitely get it rather than cherry picking one frame at a time. So it's it, that that's why a lot of the sport photographers use those high-end cameras which have a higher burst mode um, to shoot with. Uh, another good thing is to use a a monopod so that you've got your camera is like nice and steady and you're kind of just swiveling around and following the mm, action and, um, and then watch your angles as well. So I think you just get just go to as many games as you can and sh- don't be afraid to shoot lots. You, you're going to have to overshoot at the start. It's annoying when it comes back to culling, but what you'll find is the more you shoot, you'll, you'll just know – uh, you'll feel when you've got the shot, you'll just go, oh, it was that one. It was like the third frame in. I know where the ball was. And then play around with that depth of field and um, also play around uh, with how you expose the shot as well so that you're getting your figure in the in the front of the frame beautifully lit and then the background you sort of maybe let that go uh, out of focus and uh, even even to black where you've got stadium lights so there's a few tips but uh, well done Scott yeah well done it's, it's always hard to get stuff that's in action especially when it's so fast-paced but um yeah really good and um, of course uh, if you want constructive critiques um, from Gina, some great a great place to get that done is with within the gold community. And there's so many awesome people and awesome members in the gold community who not only get critiques on their photography, they get lots of tutorials and access to Gina. So if you want to find out more, listen to this. Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production, you get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more. 
As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Goal community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. All right, so this week's topic is how to see and read light, which is such an important thing for photographers. Why did you decide to tackle this topic this week, Gina? Well, it it, it was all to do with the fact that I've been traveling and I really, like you take light for granted. Well, I, I do. I mean, I don't, but I just noticed how different the light was in Glasgow compared to Australia and then again when I went to Spain it was different again and I think uh, you forget what it's like to really notice the difference in light for the first time and I think for a photographer it is so important to understand how to really see light and to understand how to read it. Val? Mm, Yep. Very important. So where mm. do we start with this? Well, we, How do we – We have to yeah. start with a quote, Is there a structured well? vote? Okay, yeah, of course. There's a quote. You ready? <laughs> go on. You excited? Yeah, go on. I'm so excited. <laughs> All right. In the right light, at the right time, everything is extraordinary. That's a pretty good quote. It's a pretty good quote. Mm. And it's so true. And, you know, really I think the most important day – in a photographer's life is the day that they start to see the light. Mm. And the second most important day is the day they know how to work with it. Mm. Yep, absolutely. Okay. So if you're not sure, well, first of all, how do you know whether you can see the light? And if you're not sure, how do you go about figuring it out? All right. Well, I can remember when I first started learning photography, all I really cared about, Val, was the technique, all right? Mm. So I wanted to make sure that I uh, I was just obsessed with knowing how the camera works. So I was shooting in manual mode. So, you know, when you're starting shooting in manual mode, it's a bit clumsy and inconsistent, all right? Like when you're learning to drive a car, you're bunny hopping the car all over the place because you can't crunch in gears and things like that. It feels the same way when I was learning to shoot. And so because I was just so obsessed with technique, if I got anything (laughs) in the frame at all that looked remote like a photo, I was celebrating. I thought, I, I, that's it, I'm the next Annie Leibovitz, <laughs> you know, and okay. it didn't matter if it was three stops underexposed or three stops overexposed. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm all over this. I'm a photographer, you know. Okay. As my technical skills began to improve, then I started to become more interested in the things that I was photographing. It was all about the subject matter. Okay. And then when I found my thing or the series of things that I like to photograph, the Mm. next level to me was to really start noticing the light. And I turned all my attention towards the light. And the thing with light is light is it. Light is everything. You know, Mm. if there was, if we ever had like a, uh, a, a, a battle, Okay, and it was light, location, subject, and gear all had like a punch on. 
mm-hmm. big massive brawl, okay, <laughs> light would always win. Put your money on light because light okay. always wins. So if you've got a beautiful model in the wrong light, he or she could end up looking like Shrek. <laughs> you put Shrek sure. in good lighting, Shrek will look like a supermodel. Okay? okay? A grungy, dirty, lame way in beautiful light is going to look amazing and people will just look at the light and go, wow, that's an extraordinary image because of the light. Mm. But then you can go to the most beautiful beach in the world and shoot it at the wrong time of the day in the wrong light mm. and it can look – the water can look grey where you're used to seeing it looking crystal clear and turquoise or it can end up looking like a dirty swamp, you know. Okay, yeah. And even if you've got the best camera and the best lens and everything going for you, kaka light equals kaka photo. (laughs) And for any new listeners, kaka is the technical Sicilian word for? Mm, Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sure. (laughs) Do go on. So for photographers, knowing how to see and read light is the biggest game changer. And so just like every other first time in your life, Val, you'll (laughs) never forget it. Can you still remember your first time? First time what? (laughs) (laughs) Can you remember your first time? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Of course mm. you can. It stands out and I can remember my first time and it was just like this, oh, my God, light bulb moment, first time <laughs> seeing light we're talking about. Of course we are. Yes. Uh, and and then suddenly it opens all these other doors because you finally say, oh, I see the difference because you hear it talked about so often by photographers talking about, you know, good light, bad light, hard light, soft light. But when you're starting out, all you see is light. All light mm. looks the same. And you, But there is a huge difference. So I'm going to attempt to break it down in this uh, episode, Val. All right, great. Where, do we, where are we starting? All right, so let's uh, start with uh, seeing and reading the difference between the two different lights, okay? So... If you can understand how daylight works, then you can understand how flash works or continuous lighting because all light behaves in the same way. It doesn't matter if it's sunlight, flash, torch, fire, all the same. It will behave in the same way. The only difference is that uh, some will be have more power or strength than others, but in terms of how they uh, sculpt a model's face or how they right. how they spread the light spreads it's all the same okay its effect so, is the same exactly so <laughs> this is why I mean when I'm working with the gold members Val I'm always um, encouraging everyone to start off with 
just work with daylight. Don't worry about bringing in – because everyone wants to bring in the four flashes and light everything and get to that level. But I think it's a really good idea for anyone starting out to just get your head around daylight and to really understand the subtleties of the different styles of light because once you understand how that works, then it's really easy to start bringing in artificial light to mimic what daylight looks like. And Mm. if you can learn how to mimic or copy daylight, then when you're lighting your images, you'll get a far more natural-looking shot. All right? Yep, yep. Okay. So basically you've got two different kinds of light. You've got hard light and soft light. Now, hard light or direct light, Mm -hmm. and and I'm referring to daylight at the moment, but you Uh can assume that this also applies to flash or continuous light. But for these examples, I'm going to give you examples with daylight. So hard direct light is basically it's caused by a tiny light source up very high in the sky the sun, Val. So okay. it's far, far away. I can't tell yeah. you exactly how far away. I used <laughs> to know, have forgotten now. Mm-hmm. But the thing with light is the farther away the light source is from the subject, the mm. harder the light source is, So, which gives mm. you sharper and darker shadows. So think about when the sun is really high in the sky, it's risen and it's right up high, tiny little dot in the sky at midday. Yeah. And then you look down at your – and there's no clouds. Yeah. And you look down at your shadow. So Mm -hmm. if it's a blue sky, no pollution, no shadows, you look – no no clouds. You look down at your shadow and it's dark and it's sharp. Yes. So that light is hard, high contrast light. So the difference between the darkest point and the lightest point mm-hmm. in that spectrum uh, is going to be extreme. So you're going to get very, very dark darks and very, very bright brights. And so that is hard light. Okay. All right. So yeah. the opposite of that. Does um, it always have to have a shadow? It does. Um, does a shadow always have to exist for hard light to be there? Yes, they're all well. You can get rid of the shadow, but you'll always see a, a shadow when there's hard light. Yes, okay. and it'll be mm-hmm. a sharp, hard edge shadow. So yes, uh, I've got some images in the show notes, uh, which you can find at GinaMilitia.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, I've got some examples of the difference between how you expose on, say, a hard light day, you can manipulate that light quite easily. So in the first example, I've got a scene in a street and it's uh, uh, hard light, so there's no clouds, and the sun is... uh, going through some buildings and uh, hitting a building in a just a, a tiny little patch on the building and there is a person walking up the street. So the person mm-hmm. is illuminated by the sun and you can see his shadow uh, in that image, which is a very hard-edged, high-contrast shadow, okay? Yeah. So this is high-contrast, hard lighting. If when I take this photo... There are two areas. There is the shadow area 
of the image and there is the brightest part that is lit by the sun. Yeah. If I take my camera and I move my uh, metering point, which is also the focus point of the camera, over the area where it's brightest and I meter off that area, meter exposing for the highlights, yeah. I will get the highlights in the image I get, the highlights will be beautifully exposed, which means I will get lots of beautiful detail. So I can see all the texture of the bricks and I can see the figure is beautifully exposed because I've exposed for the brightest part of the frame. But what happens when I do that is all the areas where there's shadow just go to black no detail because I've exposed for the highlights and this is a high contrast image, all right? So mm-hmm. that's great if you want to create um, arty-looking shots where you've just got, um, you know, very high contrast, very popular with street photography, this this style of shooting where you, yep. you expose for the highlights, this sort of um, uh, low-key sort of lighting. So you've got that. that that's that example. Now, in the next Where example, is this in this cool sh- building, this is quite a cool building, actually. Where that, is this? That's in Glasgow. Is it? It's on okay. the street in Glasgow. Yeah. All oh, right. Mm-hmm. So um, the next image, exact same location, Val. Yeah. A couple of seconds later. Okay. Yeah. The guys walked. I didn't get a, a person in the frame, but what I've done with the second image is I've exposed for the shadow area. So I've moved my um, focus point at that also measures the exposure over to the darkest area of the frame mm-hmm. and it's completely changed exposure. So in the first image, I was shooting at an ISO of 640, F16, 1 400th of a second, and I've got my highlights beautifully exposed. Yep. In the next image, when I'm exposing for the shadows, I put the focus point over that uh, dark area and the camera is saying, it's really dark. You can't do it, (laughs) you know. Is that how the camera talks to you? It does. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And so I've had to increase. Your camera sounds a bit like highly strung. Yeah, it is sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So I've had to increase the ISO to ISO 3200, okay, to get – the correct exposure for the shadow area. Mm-hmm. And so I've kept my f-stop at f16, one four hundredth of a second, I've increased the ISO, which increases the camera's sensitivity to light. And what you get now is an area where the shadows are correctly exposed and I've also got detail in the highlights. So effectively what I've done is reduced the contrast in this image just by how I've exposed that image. Right, got it. Okay, and so when you photograph anything, you can either, you can choose how you want that image to look. So if you want to create a high contrast image, then you expose Mm. for the highlights and let the shadows go. If you want to have more detail in the shadows, then you want to be exposing for the shadow tones. All right? And you open it up. And, and, a translation of that is um, you when you say you expose for you 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 take your measurement from 
the dark, you take your measurement from the yep. darkest area in the frame because yep. or, that or is the, what's important. The, it, yeah, and when Gina says exposed to the highlights, she means take your measurement from the lightest areas in the frame. I just mentioned that in case there's any newbies because it took me months before I figured out what Gina was saying. Oh, and right. Then I, and, then I, and then I got it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> this is important, Val, because it not only it completely changes the look and feel of the shot. So when you're approaching any, any image, you want to pre-visualize how you want that image to look and you also want to think about what's important in the frame. And what is it that you're trying to say? So you can either create something dark and moody with just a small pocket of light, like the first image where I exposed for the highlights or I took my measurement from the brightest part of the frame, or you can create something with a lot less contrast and showing a lot more detail throughout the frame where I exposed for the darkest. I took my measurement from the darkest part of the frame. And so you, so if, if, if I was doing a shoot for, if I was doing street photography, then maybe the first image where I just had that little pocket of light and high contrast image, then that might be the go. But let's say it was the owner of the building that wanted a, a, a photo of the building for, they were, they were going to sell it for a billboard. The first image isn't going to cut it. It's too arty, right? Because you can't see yep. anything. You can barely no. see the door. So you want to be able to show as much detail as possible. So that's where you can manipulate the light just by changing how you expose for a subject. And so Mm -hmm. that's also going to work for uh, if you've got a a portrait, someone that you're photographing, you might want to get more detail into the shadow area or move them into an area where the light is uh, a lot more consistent and even. So you might want to only have your figure in the brightest part of the frame and mm. shoot them in the in full sun or move them into the shadow area and expose for that that darker area so you've got a, a like nice detailed shot of them. Yeah, cool. That makes okay. sense. Yes. So when you've got an image like a high contrast image where you've got bright sun and hard shadow, you can decrease the contrast by adding fill light and you can have more shadow detail. So if you want to recreate this type of light with a, an external light source uh, like a speed light or a studio light, you, you can recreate hard sunlight uh, mm-hmm. by making sure that you've got a very small light source. So I use um, something like a speed light and you can actually get a little snoot for the speed light, which is like What's a little a um, um, uh, like a cone-shaped um, device that fits over the top of the speed light and it makes the light, the size of the light go from being, um, you know, the rectangle size that there's a speed light, which is about maybe five centimeters by three mm-hmm. centimeters. You want to convert yeah. that to inches, two and a half by one and a half, maybe, um, to mm-hmm. like a small, um, uh, to the size of maybe a ten cent coin or a quarter, if you're a, a oh, okay, North American like as listener. if it was a torch. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So it makes it tiny, mm-hmm. tiny, the light source. And if yep. you take that light source and you move it far away from your subject, mm. what you're doing is you're recreating the look of hard sunlight and you can light a subject or uh, the you can use this sort of technique outside a window. Say if you're shooting an interior of a, a room and if yeah. you're shooting on a day, like you know how rooms look beautiful, you can add life to rooms where suddenly there might be light streaming in and you get those little um, shafts of sunlight in a room. They really yeah. lift an interior yeah. shot. What yeah. a lot of architectural uh, and interior photographers do is they manufacture that light just oh. by – putting a light outside a window and using Mm -hmm. this technique. Small light source outside the window, you flash through some Venetians or through a a window and you'll get those little beautiful little pockets of sunlight in the room and it really adds life to an interior. And it makes a huge difference. Just just when you see an interior shot, the difference between seeing one that's just flat, dull, evenly lit compared to one mm. that's got these little pockets mm. of light mm. in it, it really brings it to life. But if you were going to manufacture it by putting a light source outside the window or the blinds, would you be using a continuous light source for that? No, you can do it with a speed light, Val, or As even well. a studio oh. light. The trick okay. is it must be high up and far yeah. away. So the further you can get your light away from the area that you're lighting, the harder the light is going to look. Okay. So you'll recreate that sunlight. And you can get this with if you want to recreate like so um, one of my favorite photographers, Herb Ritz, loves uh, loved to shoot his models in like midday sun yeah. and he would often do a lot of body shots in that hard edge sun. It's beautiful yeah. light uh, to work with for that. So if you're learning how to work with light and um, I've got one of the um, Gold Community members that has been doing a lot of body shots in this way just by using mm. sunlight and it's beautiful. You can mm. also – recreate the look of that light because there are some places where you can't get that you just can't get hard sun because there's like too much smog or like often there's places that are just constantly overcast so you can't get that look of that crisp sunlight so you can recreate it using a uh, a speed light or a small a small light source and you've got to make sure that the light source is tiny and you put it up high and away from your subject and you can recreate that that sort of lighting and it looks beautiful okay awesome so you can combine um you can combine high contrast light with fill light and you can manipulate just how much contrast you're going to have in your shadow areas. So if you want to create a shot where, say, you're just working with hard light and you've got those hard edge shadows, but you don't like how how dark the shadows are and you want to bring in a little bit more detail. So say you've got a man wearing a black suit against Mm. a a dark wall using this sort of style of lighting, you might lose the detail in the suit where it falls off to shadow. So what you can do is you can work with reflectors to bring back more detail. So effectively that bounces light into the darker areas and you'll pick up detail. So what you're doing is you're reducing the contrast and you're you're bouncing light back in to bring in more detail. Right. 
Cool. All right. So mm-hmm. now for the gold members, if you're interested in checking out more of this, there's a tutorial on how to mimic uh, sunlight using a bare flash. The other thing with working with um, that hard light source is what you need to be able to do is you need to be able to narrow the light beam that you have. So with a speed light, all speed lights have the ability to uh, change the focal length of the flash. So like as a default, it might be set to a wide beam where the flash will um, send out the light in a wide Uh, to a wider area but what you can actually do is you can change the settings and you can make that beam of light very very narrow and some of them allow you to do um, like as narrow as 200 millimeters which means that your light source is even harder so that's another Mm. thing to remember if you want to do to recreate that light source there's also a tutorial on how to control flash focal length and finally if you want to get that sunshine look just another tip is if you add a color temperature orange gel so that's a little orange colored Mm. uh, bit of uh, plastic and they're actually uh, correctly colored but if you don't want to buy the gel you can use um, chocolate wrappers um, that are sort of an orangey color so there's certain Hmm. um, candy wrappers that I think that have a play play around and that will give the cellophane yeah cellophane as well Mm -hmm. like an orangey color because Mm -hmm. flash um, is neutral in color so it's balanced to daylight and if you do that and just use flash without the gel it can look a little bit um, too white so you want to warm it up because you remember sort of sunshine does have a a warm look so there is also a couple of examples of uh, what that looks like to recreate so both the images that I've uh, popped up there in the show notes show that the the sort of look you can get and what I love about this technique is it gives a really crisp um, look to the light it's 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 very sharp and it 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 does I reckon it looks like sunlight what do you think Val? Mm. Yeah, right. It's cool. I like it. Yeah, it's a cool look, and uh, it, and like you can use it. I, I, I see it used by a lot of uh, fashion photographers. It's great for um, body shots as well, and it just gives a, a cool, edgy shot. And or you can use it combined with soft light, uh, just by adding a little pop of uh, sunlight into someone's face, and then using mm. the uh, soft light, ambient light, uh, to light the rest of the shot. Cool. Great. Right. What's next? Yep. So um, j- just uh, continuing on with that hard light, you can transform any location depending on what you want to uh, how you want to expose a shot. So I've got three images there that have all mm-hmm. been uh, either exposed for the highlights and uh, I've got a shot where there's a guy on a bike riding through like a little shaft of light. And so what I did is I exposed for the brightest part of the, the image, which was the sunlight yeah. uh, coming in and everything else went to black. And so you get a, a very arty sort of streaky style look to the shot. Same image I uh, Mm. took that and I exposed for the darkest part of the frame and then you get something that looks uh, sort of more of a a regular shot you know because everything 
everything is correctly exposed. You can see the mm-hmm. detail uh, in the highlights and there's detail in the shadows. So it all comes down to what the end result uh, you want. The other thing that you want to be aware of is um, when you're shooting with digital, there mm-hmm. is a lot you can do if you – expose just for the highlights, you can actually rescue the details in Lightroom. And, and um, But if you expose for the shadows yeah. and the highlights blow out, uh, you cannot rescue the highlights. Once they're gone, they're gone. But you can bring back a lot of detail in the shadow areas uh, in, in um software like Lightroom or Capture One or even Photoshop does it as well. So that's something to be um, aware of. So if you're ever in doubt, you be safe. You make sure that your highlights are correct and you've got detail in your highlights and you can always bring the shadow areas back. If back you meaning, just what do you mean safe. by back? Bring back the detail. You can rescue a lot of, area, a lot of shadow areas in so post-production. So are you saying – are you saying that um, if in doubt, uh, expose for the highlights, meaning take your measurement based on the lightest part of the yes. scene, and if you do that, that means um, the um, the the camera is going to think, oh, it's quite bright. It's quite bright, and it's going to uh, you'll you'll get an image that that's you'll a bit have darker detail in the brightest parts, but your yep. shadows are all going to look like black. You, yes, you, and you're going and to go, oh my god, I'm not yeah, getting in the detail. And you're but, saying, and we can re- you can rescue that by then with the, the by bringing back or by um, adjusting the black parts of the image. Yes, you can always bring back. You can you can get more than you actually think. So I've got um, a couple of images uh, where I show this as an example. So I've got a shot where uh, I've got an unedited image where I exposed for the highlight details. So I've got a man sitting by a window and he's all in white and uh, he's reading the paper. I have placed – I have – taken my reading exposed for the brightest part of the frame yep. which was the man's white shirt which is also lit by some sort of light that's that's streaming in the window and if i look at my unedited raw image well Val you can see it there you can yeah, only so it's see- all, it's very very dark but yeah. then um, what Gina's done is edited it in edited it later to lighten that image and the camera has actually captured the detail that you you don't actually see in the raw image so if we had sh- um, exposed for the shadows as in taking the measurement on the darker bits it yep. would have um, uh, would the image would be a lot lighter but it would have lost a lot of the detail because it would have blown out and made it blurry kind of thing it, bl- it would have it blown out, out the image the, sh- the, the so, shirt so yeah the so, detail won't yeah. be there yeah, so got it, it would shift. So you'd get all the detail in the shadows, which is great, but yep. you would lose detail in the highlights, and you cannot rescue that. So you see that with a mm. uh, a lot of images where you've got someone with a white shirt, or they've got light coloured hair, or there's a yep. light window. If you expose for the darker areas, you're going to lo- always lose all that detail, and once it's not there anymore, it's gone. 
if you try and bring that back and rescue that in post-production, what you get mm. is you'll just get grey. It, yeah. it, it, it can't make it up it, and so yeah. it will just put it That's looks right. Which, whereas cack. the other way, the, the, imi- the detail is captured, you just can't see it, whereas yep. – Whereas, um, yeah, when you're exposed to the shadows, yeah, you, you you lose it and you can't make it up. Got it. And you can push this so much further than you think. And so this is worth experimenting, a really simple thing to do. Um, just get something that's white and bright and put it next to a window, right, where you've got bright light streaming in the window and just play around with the exposing for the highlight versus exposing for the darker area of the shot and do an experiment where you expose for the shadows and let the highlights blow out to white and then do another experiment where you expose for the highlights and let your image go dark but only you can only see the highlights. Take it into something like Lightroom and the first thing you do is in the develop module – just rack up the shadow slider and it's like you've turned a light on in the image. You, you can't believe how much detail you can um, bring back in. It's quite mm. – it's it's so much fun. It's mm. just yes, entertaining. It's, it is. It's, I can see how it's entertaining, yes. Yeah. Uh, mm. Okay. Bearing this in mind though when you do this, the penalty you pay for yeah. – pushing the shadows into this extreme Mm. is you're going to get extra noise in the image, all right? Right. But you can – and there is an episode uh, where we cover how to to remove noise uh, in an image. So bear that in mind. That's the penalty you pay uh, for shooting in this way. But Mm. if you want to make sure that you get all the detail in your image, it's worth – uh, it's worth doing, worth experimenting with just to see what's possible, even. For sure. Great. All right. Good tips. Yeah, love it. All right. So next we let's look a bit at uh, soft light, Val, which is the other okay. kind of light. So soft is diffuse light. So, All right. Okay. Imagine, imagine that light yes. <laughs> is water coming out of a hose, Val. Okay. okay stay yes. with me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So – Hard light is like the hose. So you know those hose hose things at the end. I know you don't do any gardening <laughs> whatsoever, but like maybe you know, stretch yourself out. You know those yeah, things yeah. that go on the end of the hose, and you can yes. actually change the stream of the water. Yes, I do. So when it's all the way closed, the the hole at the end is very um, small, and the water just comes out in like a strong um stream. hard stream of water right yeah it's like the spray and white bottle yeah but yes like this do you use the spray and white bottle yeah yeah cuz i clean okay. up after okay. like in the kitchen yeah. so yeah. the spray and white bottle you can have the jet spray or you can have yeah. the spray spray okay jet that's a good okay so on the hose (laughs) you've got jet which is Mm -hmm. like you know if you had something that you were like you were trying to get something off your window or or Mm. off off the concrete like my mum and dad always used to wash the concrete that's one of my childhood (laughs) memories like bird poo yeah, so like a karcher, you know those that the, 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 yeah, the yeah, spray yeah. is very hard, solid. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's how hard light um, hits the ground, and so 
you can imagine that it it hits and it it it's solid and hard. All right. Yes. And it bumps into everything and creates shadows. Soft light, okay. on the other hand, is diffused mm-hmm. and it scatters everywhere. And so it's like the light is the the setting on the hose. You open it up the other way and it's a very mm. fine spray. Like it's a okay? mist. It's a mist. And mm. if you – when you're watering your flowers, if you use mm. the jet spray, uh, it puts a them. whole – it puts a hole in the flowers yes. and it, all the flowers in the die because I've done it by accident, right? Yeah. Yep. So what you want to do is you want when you turn it onto mist, this fine mist of water goes over all the flowers, it gets into all the nooks and crannies, all over the leaves, and then it soaks beautifully into the water and slowly and it goes everywhere, right? Mm. Soft light is like that. It's diffused and it goes everywhere. And soft light created in in, um, real life is where the sun, hard light up in the sky, is covered Mm -hmm. by a cloud. Yes. Okay? And the cloud is like this big diffusion screen and the sun passes through that cloud and Mm -hmm. then the light scatters in all directions, like that yes. fine mist when you've changed yes. the setting on your hose. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, where soft light is uh, is also free of shadows. So if you've got an overcast day, you won't have any shadows or if there are shadows, they're very soft. There isn't a hard edge to the shadows. You might It might look like there's um, – four or five different shadows from the one source like because they're because it's a scattered kind of light so the shadows are very soft if any okay Mm -hmm. so that's what you get with a cloudy day so when you're working with um artificial light like a flash or a continuous light you're flash head which doesn't have a diffuser on it is going to give you hard light like mm-hmm. the sun. If mm-hmm. you put something in front of it, a diffuser, it's going to act like a cloud passing over the, the front of the, over the sun and mm-hmm. it diffuses the light. So basically it spreads it everywhere. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. the other thing to notice about soft light is it's not as bright as hard light and it's sure. not as sharp as hard light. So when you're shooting outside in soft light, so where it's overcast, on an overcast day, it's low contrast light. So you're going to get detail in your shadows and detail in your highlights and you're not going to have to worry about what area of the frame am I exposing for my shadows or am I exposing for the highlights because they're all going to be roughly the same. So you get a non- you get a very low contrast image. You'll get lots and lots of detail. Now, this sure. can be good in some instances. So if you if you want to photograph, um, say, a portrait of someone and you use very, very soft light, then you're going to see all the detail and it, it works well for, say, beauty portraits. Soft light mm-hmm. is good. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
Whereas yeah, hard sure. light is going to have more contrast. So if you want to have a more of a character shot, then you're better off working with hard light because it picks up the contrast and it gives you a uh, sort of an edgier look to your shots. Yeah. So that's what you want to think about. What like are you working with soft light or are you working with hard light? Okay. So yeah. there's a couple of examples of the same location. One is. Uh, uh, it's a person on a bike riding on the road and you can see that the, the first example, no shadows, soft light, low contrast. And then you can see the difference in the uh, bottom one, hard light from the sun creates hard edged shadows. And the image overall, you can see it's got a crispness to us when there's the hard light. Can you see that? Yeah. It sure. looks sharper. Yes. Yeah. Because hard light just has an edge to it. So mm, interesting. If you want to recreate soft light, all you need to do is add some kind of modifier to the front of your light. So this could be uh, as simple as using a diffuser between the sun and your model. So it'll act like uh, your own little portable cloud that diffuses the light and softens it. So if you're outside, you're shooting in full sun and mm. you can see that the light on the person's face isn't super flattering, you can just put a diffuser over the top of them uh, between the sun and the model and that will soften the light. It scatters it everywhere. So you'll get that nice flat light just like a little cloud came over. Mm. If you're using flash, you can use a softbox or an umbrella over the flash. does the same thing. It softens the light. It spreads it. It uh, diffuses it. So that's something that if you're just starting to use flash on camera, then you might want to think about things that you can put over the flash to soften the light and spread it out and re reduce how uh, harsh it looks, how how um, hard the edges are. Yeah. Okay. The other way to do it as well is if you take that flash and you find a white wall and you bounce it off the white wall, it, that, mm. that is an, another way to spread and diffuse the light because the light hits the wall and then bounces back into the room Um much softer. Like an uplight. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So if you want to create a, a mood in your room, you you turn your light and bounce it into a wall and it creates a much soft, much better for, for a date rather than those hard overhead <laughs> lights, you know, yes. which is not that flattering. If you, you, you bounce your light into a wall or into, into the ceiling, it gives a much softer feel to the light. Yep. Um, and then taking that to another level, Val, mm -hmm. Getting your flash, if you want to create an even softer and recreate the feel of, say, window light, you can take your flash, if you're shooting off-camera flash, and you mm. can feather that light to create mm. soft window light. So basically what you do is uh, if you've got your flash, it could be a speed light, it could be a studio flash, you've got your modifier, which could be a softbox or an umbrella in front of the flash. Instead of aiming the flash directly at your model, you aim it um, uh, away from the model. So it... Basically, you'll have your flash 
uh, facing, say your model is facing you, okay? You'll bring mm-hmm. your flash so that it is uh, parallel to your model. Okay. Parallel to the parallel. Model. So your flash, so so uh, your yeah. model is in uh, front of you. Yes. You bring your flash across and put it parallel to your model, and okay. back it up a bit. And instead of facing the flash, so say the model is standing in front of a wall, mm. you will point the flash towards the wall and not the model. And what in other happens words, what you're is, saying is if the model is the middle of the clock and you're at 6 o'clock, the flash is at 3 o'clock, but it's pointing to 12 o'clock. Yeah, I can't follow those 12 o'clock, <laughs> 6 o'clock <laughs> things. <laughs> I believe that's what you're they, saying. They confuse <laughs> me. What happens is it's feathering. The light is feathering. So the majority of the light it misses your model. But some of the spill will hit your model from the side of the flash. So rather than lighting them front on, you're lighting from the side of the flash. And this is a beautiful light. It looks just like window light. Um, There is an example of this sort of uh, lighting that I used to recreate. I wanted to recreate sort of daylight flooding into a locker room for a couple Mm. of athletes that I photographed, and I used this exact technique. If that's confusing and you are a gold member, there is a, a complete uh, tutorial with all the diagrams yep. that uh, explain. I don't use the and 6 o'clock, 3 o'clock. Probably so not explained well. at the o'clock level, all right. <laughs> I didn't do the o'clock level, okay? Okay. So, and if you are football supporters in uh, Australia, the image Gina is referring to is in the show notes and uh, actually that's – is that – what teams are they? That's one of them's your code, NRL, is it? One, so there's Rugby. a Melbourne Storm that, guy I think he was and the then captain. there's a Hawthorne guy, I think. Yeah, yep. I think they were both very well-known. Yes, but yes. But we talked about cooking because I actually didn't know what it is that they did or understand the game. You talked about what? I talked about cooking with them. They oh, gave cooking. me recipes. Okay. These footballers gave you recipes. The captain yeah. of Melbourne Storm gave th- you a recipe. Yeah, I think that – and I said, is that the first time someone you've given something? He's like, yeah, most people just want to know about sport. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure. Um, okay. So we kind of got an understanding of the difference between soft light and mm. hard light. You can take this to the next level, Val, and you can start combining – soft light with hard light. And so what I love to do with all my photography is I use soft light to light the majority of my scene and then I will use hard light to be my key light and light one small part of it. So let's say I'm shooting on an overcast day, all right? Mm -hmm. I'll take a reading of the overcast day and I'll shoot that and then I'll add a small a speed light or a beauty dish or a grid and put that on the face um, or I'll combine um, umbrella light as fill to light the room and then uh, use a small beauty dish to light my model. So it's combining uh, hard light as the key with soft light as uh, the main areas. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Yep. Got it. So, so uh, just a few more tips uh, for your portraits, uh, if you to to take this out, Val, is soft light is far more flattering on textured skin uh, because. Um, what do you mean by textured said, skin? That, well, uh, any te- if you've got skin that where there might be enlarged pores or it, it's older skin, there might be lines and things like that. Think about that analogy I gave you with the watering. That that um, having the hose set where the the fine mist. Okay, mm-hmm. you want your light to go into all the crevices and not cause any hard shadows. If you use hard light, what you're going to do is you're going to create lots of shadows. So if you've got like um, lots of texture in the skin, lines and things like that, and you want to minimize those, then you want to use a soft light and you want a light more flat on so that the light fills in all those little areas, fills in any little um, shadows and creases and things like that, and that's going to be a lot more flattering on people, all right? If you want to create a more um, a, a grungier look, a more textured look, a more of a character portrait, then maybe use a harder light and you'll emphasize all those lines and textures on the face. It depends what you want to create, all right? So okay. um, for, for a, a more flattering look, you want to look for bright, flat, directional light and a good one to start with, which is soft and flat, is garage lighting. Do you want to mm. quickly describe it, Val? I love garage lighting. Love it, mm. love it, love it. So mm-hmm. basically garage lighting um, is so named because Gina is referring to garage, but you don't have to be anywhere near a garage at all. All you need to be is under some kind of shadow, as in some kind of awning, but where there is direct sunlight hitting the pavement or ground or whatever in front of you. So you're kind of right at the border of where a an awning or veranda is and you're in the um, – you're in the shaded bit, but the, but in front of you, or in front of your subject, that is, um, the the light is bouncing off the 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 ground and reflecting back onto the face of your subject, and it's the most amazing lighting ever. Yeah. So it's beautiful light. It's got some direction to it and it'll fill in. It'll be like spraying your (laughs) model with that fine Mm -hmm. mist of light and it's going to go into all the little crevices and that is a very flattering light. Uh, It's going to be a lot softer than using something with a hard light. So hard light tends to look sharper um, but easier to create harsh shadows. So if there's one thing that you really, really want to watch out for when you're working with a harder light source is the no shadow. It's often the most prominent part of the face. So often uh, people like to light from sort of a, a three-quarter angle, but what happens is the nose gets in the way and you get this dirty big nose shadow. So try mm. maybe lighting from above slightly and down and try and really watch for where that that nose shadow is and think about where you're placing your light if you're working with a harder light source to uh, try and avoid that nose shadow. Yeah, definitely. That's good because often often people don't even notice it because they don't look. 
No, no, they don't think, and you don't mm. notice it until you start. Yeah. To, like you, th- there are different levels of what you'll notice. Um, yeah, yeah, and and it's again, it comes down to when you're learning the technique. It's all about the technique. You just excited that you've taken a shot with uh, flash off camera, and you've got something that's exposed correctly. The next level is really learning how to take that light and really work with it and sculpt it. You can completely change uh, the look and shape of somebody's face just by the way you work with light. So, um, and that, that sort of next level stuff. But once you start seeing it, you can't unsee it. It's there forever. Yeah, so, it's, it's exciting. So, it's worth looking at. So, start seeing it. Yeah, mm. it's worth it. Brilliant. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week until we chat again, Gina? I'm off to the country for four days, Val. So, oh um, yes, you're running some workshops. Yeah, yeah. I've got uh, four workshops over the weekend, and uh, I think I'm going to do a little talk. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's uh, the bright festival of photography. Uh, I think it's all full. So, but look out for it next year. It looks amazing. Like over twenty photographers presenting there, and it's a beautiful. Have you been to Bright? It's a beautiful part of the world. I have not. I know some people who live there, so I've seen lots of photos. uh, Yeah. But no, I have not. Uh, So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. And what about you, Val? I will be busy taking photos of my art and creating more art. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. That's my current obsession. (laughs) Right. So um, you'll find the show notes at ginamilitia.com and obviously also Gina's website. Where else do we find you online, Gina? So I'm on Instagram, that's at Gina Militia, and Twitter at Gina Militia. And if you want to connect with me in person, then uh, check out the Gold Community. So that's GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. And you, Val? Awesome. Uh, you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, and you'll also find me at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.